Hello and welcome to the Foreign Affairs Show. This is your host Avik Sen, and today we'll be speaking about uh, the South China Sea dispute and the U.S. State Department statement on it. Uh, we have with us uh, today Richard Hedarian, who from Philippines, who's a political scientist and author of the book The Indo-Pacific: From China and the New Struggle for Global Mastery. We also have with us Shariman Lockman, who's a fellow at the Institute of Strategic and International Studies in Malaysia. We also have Dr. Colin Fu joining us. He is a research fellow at the Institute of Defense and Strategic Studies, which is a constituent unit of the RSIS Singapore. His research interest is on naval affairs in Indo-Pacific, focusing on Southeast Asia. He also with us uh, Commodore retired Anil Jaising of the Indian Navy. He is a VP of the Indian Maritime Foundation. So to start off, uh, my first question would be to uh, Colin Co. How do you see uh, the U.S. Uh, uh, State Department statement on the South China Sea? Uh, do you actually see it as a uh, them directly coming in confrontation uh, towards the confrontation with China diplomatically or otherwise, or is it just routine? Because uh, there has been a complaint from the Southeast Asian nations that uh, U.S. has not done much. Uh, Uh, to support their claims on the South China Sea, even after the uh, ruling that went in favor of Philippines at the international level. Mm, mm. uh, thanks for the question. Uh, this is a very important one. I think first of all to uh, highlight that you know uh, the Pompeo's statement on the South China Sea is in effect uh, an explicit expression of uh, the U.S. position that has been you know implicitly being. Uh, put forth since the 2016 uh, award that was handed down on the South China Sea, and these particular statements specifically highlighted, you know, the claims that the U.S. opposed the language use is stronger. I mean, the use of the I mean unlawfulness, um, the illegal nature of China's claims, as well as you know calling out China, you know, in 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 these um, particular statement are uh, new things. But you know, it is more about you know the language that's used. But you know, the position uh, probably hasn't changed at all. So this is uh, one of the things that we need to take away from uh, Pompeo's statement last week. Um, and you know, you 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 made the right observation because you know I think Southeast Asian countries have for long been you know a, a bystander uh, looking at you know what is unfolding between the U.S. and China. In fact, you know, this statement, you know, is all part and parcel of a whole string of developments that we've seen over uh, the past few months, uh, when you no know, ties between China and U.S. went you know, on the downward spiral over things like you know issues like Tibet, uh, Xinjiang, of course, you know, Hong Kong, and this statement uh, does you know was followed by uh, the subsequent uh, remarks made by uh, Secretary uh, Stilwell uh, at the CSIS conference. That sanctions could be on the table uh, as one of the options, and therefore, you know, these sort of fit into the whole pattern of what we have seen in the recent times. But then again, you know, in Southeast Asian countries tend to be watching, uh, and you know, would be you know understandably skeptical that you know it could just possibly be a bluster on the part of the U.S. I think more important is to look at what is going to transpire from the statement thereafter before you know further deliberations can be made. Yeah. Uh, Richard, how do you th- uh, see uh, that Philippines would react to it, uh, given that in 2016 the UNCLOS uh, ruled in favor of Philippines against China? Uh, uh, so, do you uh, think that Philippines will now try to uh, make some moves that will that will help it uh, 
um, make claims on the region that the even CLOS uh, ruled in its favor? I'll go and try to answer. I think um, I agree that there's nothing significantly different in terms of criticizing China's claims as unlawful. Uh, and the United States has made this position pretty clear, especially since releasing uh, a detailed study by the State Department back in 2015 on the uh, mm. legal basis of China's line. And of course, after the Philippine mm. Arbitration Award came out in 2016, the United States reiterated that uh, China's historic rights claims in Nine Line is not in consonance with international law. But where mm. it gets really interesting to me is if you really le- read the language, it's not mm. only a rejection of China's claim, but it's almost a de facto recognition of the claims of other countries. So in particular, mm. for instance, it mentions the Scarborough Shoal, the Mischief Reef, and the Second Thomas Shoal as parts of the mm. Philippines' exclusive economic zone or continental shelf. So it's not only mm. rejecting China's claim as unlawful over those land features, one of which China has already militarized, Mischief Reef, Another one, it mm. may militarize, but it de facto controls, which is the Scarborough Shoal. And the third one, the second Thomas Shoal, the Filipino troops are positioned there over a rusted ship. But the Chinese have been uh, threatening their supply lines. Now, this is important because the United States is not just rejecting China's claims, but it's almost saying that the Philippines actually owns these land features. Now, the mischief reef mm. is a foregone conclusion. They should have done something back in 1994, 1995. And I think people like Joseph Nye, has to be a little bit mm-hmm. uh, answerable for that uh, because they were, I think, <laughs> back in Pentagon back in the days then, and they're still defending the decision not to help the Philippines back in the days. And yes, mm-hmm. one against them for that. But when it comes to Scarborough Shoal and Second Thomas Shoal, I think there are huge ramifications, operational ramifications for the Philippines' alliance with the United States. I mean, mm-hmm. Secretary Pompeo last, last year, for the very first time, made it clear that the mutual defense treaty with the Philippines will not only apply to vaguely the Pacific area, but the South China Sea. And the, Philippine, mm-hmm. uh, and the U.S. ambassador to the Philippines, Song Kim, made it also very clear that even gray zone operations, meaning militia attacks by Chinese uh, forces against Filipino troops, mm-hmm. planes or soldiers could be covered by mutual defense treaty. So tying it back mm-hmm. to the statement, if the United States is effectively saying that Second Thomas Shoal or Scarborough Shoal belong to the Philippines or are part of the Philippines continental shelf. Therefore, in an event that there are contingencies there or or Mm. China engages in a unilateral aggressive action against Filipino vessels or troops Mm. or Coast Guard, among others, then it becomes much easier for the Philippines to activate the mutual defense treaty for the United States. So I think there are some important Mm. operational ramifications. And during our conference in South China Sea, conference in CSIS, actually, I kind of pressured uh, Assistant Secretary Stilwell on that point. He was a little bit vague vague in his answer, but I think you can make a direct connection between the two, that there are certain operational ramifications. And it's fascinating that when we talk about South China Sea, we're no longer talking about just South China Sea. Effectively, Indonesia mm. is now uh, a party to the disputes because of the overlap between the southernmost tip of the Nainash Line and Natuna Besar. Mm. So you had um, mm. U.S. not only indirectly affirming the Philippines' claim, but it was all almost affirming Vietnam's claim over Vanguard Bank, Malaysia's claim mm. over James Shoal, and even uh, mm. Indonesia's claims over Natuna Besar. So I think this is... This is mm. where the statement, if you really break it down for its operational mm. and legal ramification just beyond political rhetoric and fireworks, I think mm. it's really relevant. And, you know, policymakers mm. here in the Philippines, around the, around the world, I think we're really looking at this very carefully. Mm.
Chairman, how do you see that uh, Malaysia would react to uh, this development that the uh, US has uh, uh, taken a stance against China on uh, South China Sea? And uh, how do you see the US statement? I mean, is it uh, strongly against China? Do you uh, have an intent of uh, taking it to something meaningful? Or is it one of those statements that come uh, once in a while and then after that, there's no follow-up on it? Right. So uh, about maybe five, six days before the U.S. came out with a statement earlier this week, they did give my colleagues in government a preview of sorts uh, through a non-paper uh, mm. explaining the uh, exact positions of the United States. And they were, you know, on, on the one hand, they were quite surprised by the mention of James Shull and all that, uh, which is uh, a feature, which, uh, you know, basically, you know, very, very close to the Malaysian uh, coastline. And, you know, they, but at the same time, they were also ambivalent about the whole thing. Uh, you know, that's what, you know, that's part for the cost for, for Malaysia, I guess, you know. And of course, my foreign minister has issued a very sort of like, uh, you know, harmless anodyne statement about the whole thing. Uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling that they waited uh, actually until after the Philippines uh, had issued one through their Department of National Defense. And then mm -hmm. after that, the Vietnamese issued another. Uh, through their MFA spokesperson. Um, so the, the thing about the Malaysian sort of like anxiety about the statement is uh, what next, you know? Because, mm. um, you know, is, is, is this going to, is this a prelude to the United States becoming more involved in sort of like protecting the, the legitimate rights of, of uh, coastal states um, towards, uh, you know, the national resource? natural resources in their exclusive economic zone. Uh, and, you know, from the Malaysian perspective, this is not always welcome. You know, uh, you, you would think that we will be, you know, jumping up in joy uh, at this statement. But, you know, sometimes there are some people within the system in Malaysia who think that maybe, you know, you know some, somewhat similar to the Chinese perspective to, to certain extent, that maybe... The, American presence isn't all that constructive. That it isn't doesn't cause all that much of a um, you know pushback, but rather escalate things. So yeah, it's a very mixed and anguished sort of response from from Malaysia. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, if if I, on, on regarding the um, statement itself, look, I think this was an important, very important clarification from the United States. Simply because before this, before this statement, a very sort of like anal perspective of the U.S. position is that you could argue that the U.S. prior to the statement held out the possibility that China could uh, claim exclusive economic zone in this in the South China Sea mm. from one of its uh, features. I mean, it, the United States never said that, but nor did it ever deny that they were mm. holding out the possibility that, that this could be the case. So this mm. statement was very, very clear in the sense that there's no such thing as an exclusive economic zone from any feature uh, occupied mm. by China in the South China Sea. So that mm. is very important because it, that is the major implication for the rest of us. Yeah, yeah I'll stick with that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, now I'll come to uh, Komodo Anil Jasing, uh, retired Indian Navy. So uh, I'll. Uh, my question is that, uh, given that given that India has border tensions with China right now, do you think that India will try to um, 
to network with the southeast asian countries uh, uh, offered to have maritime patrol patrols exercises uh, uh, of the sort so how do you see this uh, going forward uh, thanks for your question avik i got your question and thank you for having me on this panel with such eminent people including my old friend colin and all uh now coming to coming to the indian approach you know the one thing that india has always believed in and has articulated this time and again is the asean centrality in the indo pacific if you recollect even when the quad met in the first time the four statements that emanated from the different uh, from the four different members it was the indian statement which even at that time had talked of the asean centrality and which rightly so because anything that happens in indo pacific is very very central to anything that happens with asean uh as far as the indian position now goes particularly with what is happening on the indian border you know we we china has got time and again come and ingress the uh, indian on the indian side of the line of actual control but these have always been stray incidents which have happened over a period of time they've checked the indian response and more or less gone back to what we call the status quo ante however this time seems to be a little different firstly they've not only come in much further but they are not showing any inclination to return they're talking of disengagement but they're talking of disengagement from a new normal saying that where we are now this is ours and so okay we can talk disengagement we'll just move back let's say a kilometer or so which still means that they are fairly deep inside what we consider the indian side of the lac but india this time has said that we are not going to be allow ourselves to be bullied and even yesterday yesterday defense minister of india was in ladakh and the statement he made to the troops there was which was broadcast very widely all over the country was that while we are peace loving people we will not be the aggressor but we will not allow ourselves to be uh, we will not allow an aggressor to take away even an inch of our land so this politic political rhetoric aside i think india has taken a little harder stand this time and this is also evident not only from what we are doing on the border but also from the fact that at the same time and india has always hesitated you know if you notice india has always hesitated to criticize china openly when it comes to anything in the indo pacific region we made oblique reference mm-hmm. to that but this is the first time when we have openly said that you know what china is doing is wrong china should not do what it's doing uh it is mm-hmm. it is in fact for the first time after many years we've heard that we are going to position a diplomatic representation in taiwan it may not be at the level of an ambassador but certainly so these are all things that you know are showing an indian resolve that india mm-hmm. is not going to allow itself to be taken in and also i think this is india's commitment that we've all got to pool our resources together if we have to prevent the dragon from doing what it wants to do now secondly as far as the pacific of the pacific part of the indo pacific is concerned india has always been has never been actively involved you are aware that we've done coordinated patrols but we've never agreed to a joint patrol with the with the pacific command despite you know the previous admiral harry harry harris coming to india very often and requesting for joint patrols we've always avoided that but now we've got ships operating in that region uh, i'm not sure we will still do anything very overt but certainly we will uh, we will definitely be in support of anything that happens there but my concern or rather i think the indian concern is more about the indian ocean the eastern indian ocean and if you see just today's newspaper has a huge write up on how india is conducting a huge maritime exercise uh, south of the andaman islands with with the forces from the andaman nicobar command and the eastern naval command participating including phis and submarines and ships etc so the indian navy is on alert as are the indian armed forces after what has happened in the border we don't expect my view is that and i wrote about this also my view is that china is not going to initiate a naval war with india in the indian ocean 
because they don't have the wherewithal right now in the indian ocean to take on the indian navy and i don't think india would go into the south china sea to sort of uh, antagonize china or provoke china by engaging the pla navy in war in the south china sea so even if there is which we are hoping will not happen even if there's a minor border skirmish over all this issue of the lac it will probably be restricted to just that little pocket of of you know between the army and maybe if it get, escalates a little beyond that maybe a little air, air power will be used but to me that seems doubtful at the moment what is actually india and i think this needs to be flagged is a sudden development between china and iran because india was always very secure in the knowledge that in the indian ocean with the choke points being the way they are we are fairly safe as far as our energy uh, security is concerned and we we can sort of monitor all the movement of other 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 countries that is happening including chinese movements and perhaps if push comes to shove we could even disrupt or or delay uh, chinese tanker movements but if this china iran thing comes through and china actually manages to establish a presence in chabahar then that is going to be very very critical for india firstly because traditionally we've been very friendly with iran we walk this tightrope very deftly balanced our relationship with iran and our relationship with the us but china is now shaping the narrative in such a way to make it seem as if india is now part of the us sort of uh, uh, is aligned with more with the us and so it becomes anti iran now this is something that is worrying because if china controls chabahar and china controls godar he's got our energy supplies by the throat frankly speaking and so that is something i think india is most concerned about now is how to diffuse this how to address this particular situation developing in the western indian ocean but as far as asean centrality goes i've i've said india is very much uh, committed to that uh, we've always supported any 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 moves that that are made over there we've always spoken of we we criticize the the 2016 pca ruling and so i think uh, india has a very sort of uh, very sort of positive attitude towards that and i think another yeah sorry the i think the most visible manifestation of india's sort of response is that all these years it was india which opposed or did not invite australia to participate in malabar and did not let it become a quadrilateral exercise and it remained a bilateral indo us or a trilateral indo us japan exercise mainly because we you know china australia had their own equation india china had its own equation and so australia was sort of kept out of it while we were doing independent exercise with the australian navy called oz index in the bay of bengal they were never part of the of malabar however this time india is extending an invitation to australia also to participate in malabar and there is already tension between australia and china and australia i believe has accepted the invitation so this also is conveying a message that you know this is it we've reached a point where now we need to we need to push back and we may need to make that push back fairly visible now how china interprets it how china interprets secretary pompeo's uh, uh, you know statement is another thing i i i wrote an article on this saying the us has thrown down the gauntlet will china rise to the challenge now let's see what happens china could well bide its time china is quite convinced that the us will run out of steam eventually in 5 10 15 years by which time then china will sort of just move into that slot which is vacated so i think a lot may also depend on the presidential election if joe biden comes in we don't know whether he will continue this sort of thrust this us thrust in the south in the south china sea or will it go back to the obama days where us intent was clear but it was not backed up by adequate uh, sort of force positioning so that's that's my take on india's uh, uh, thought process on the whole south china sea and the us statement uh, issue hmm. 
thank you so commodore uh, i have a few questions and a, and an observation uh, so firstly i look at iran so uh, maybe the chabahar thing might not happen this whole discussion came uh, started in india because uh, there was a report that uh, uh, iran has kicked out india from the chabahar zahedan rail project but uh, it was clarified by their ports and maritime organization that uh, this has not happened uh, we just had an mou with them which did not uh, actually get converted into an agreement so they we were not kicked out because we were never in there that is what the iranians are saying so coming back to the question uh, uh, the um, question is that i am not talking about a naval war or a skirmish i am talking about uh, uh, military exercises or uh, or uh, like say the quad can we see the quad being expanded later or so can we see something that is uh, does not involve the us can we see india and the uh, southeast asian countries coming together to do military exercises from time to time yeah certainly like, see... like you said that uh, like you said that biden might not take uh, be that aggressive on china So, uh, uh, if we leave out the US, can India and the Southeast Asian countries come up with their own format to have uh, regular military exercises? See, in in so far as India is concerned, I think India, as I mentioned earlier, is absolutely absolutely certain about one fact that Indo-Pacific is about ASEAN centrality. So, even in a quad mechanism, if it even becomes a military uh, uh, construct subsequently, which it may or may not, with the with these four countries. it cannot just remain a four country military construct it has to include asean in that now how much asean is willing to be part of that so i don't see the quad as a quad yes it could be part of a larger sort of alliance building up in the region where asean will have to be involved in it it will have to be a quad plus in so far as exercises are concerned see india conducts bilateral exercises with almost all the asean countries we conducted the vietnam we do malaysia we do singapore we do thailand so we mm-hmm. conduct with all of them we conduct malabar with the quad countries Uh, we have an exercise called milan which was supposed to be held in march this year in uh, vishaka of vishakhapatnam but had to be postponed because of covid now milan started in 95 with four countries coming for a cultural exchange in port blair you know i was there that year we were doing some asw stuff with the singaporeans at that time and from that it has now grown to 17 countries coming and participating in vishakhapatnam there were 17 countries supposed to be there this year so the whole indian engagement with asean is very very deep last year india celebrated 25 years of its relationship with asean towards that we invited all the 10 asean heads of government as, as chief guests to the republic day parade in delhi which is the, the chief guest for republic day parade is a sort of indication of india's engagement which which part of the world is it choosing to engage with at that point in time so i think india is very convinced that without asean centrality there is nothing in the indo pacific the quad cannot function then of course india is an active participant in exercises like the rimpac and its involvement will grow with with the passage of time it's the you know so so i think india is in, we've got we've got economic interests i think 40% of our trade is with with that part of the world west of uh, east of malacca straits so india cannot distance itself from from uh, uh, the the west of the yeah, sorry east of the malacca straits however my take has always been that the indian navy in its present in its with its present strength definitely can operate uh, extensively in the in the south china sea or in or in the pacific but it has to focus more at the moment on the indo of the indo pacific because don't forget one basic fact in the indo pacific as its present construct is india is the only non resident pacific country everybody else is a resident pacific power 
but none of the other members which are talked about in the quad or in the rather larger indo pacific at the moment are resident indian ocean powers india is the only indian ocean power so the indo of the indian ocean is actually should remain india's primary area of concern and area of responsibility for some more time to come till such time we have the capacity and the capability to be able to operate in the entire indo pacific uh, that's my mm. personal take on this involvement in this uh, whole uh, issue mm. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, should we call it a close? Up to you. Any yeah. any questions? I'd be happy to answer. If there's anything else? Yeah. I don't have any other questions. Uh, we could have uh, questions among uh, uh, you all. Uh, so if you have uh, anything to ask and discuss, then we can have a short uh, part on mm. that. Mm. uh abik abik yes hello abik uh, maybe can make a comment to that um because uh, you know we were talking about the uh, prospect of you know india and asian countries coming together for you know some sort of a naval exercise so i thought that was an interesting point so can i you know sort of expand a little bit on that yes is definitely definitely Yeah. Okay. I. I mean. Uh, this one. Uh, is certainly just. Uh, you know. A sort of a Singaporean point of view. Uh. My friends. Uh. You know. Richard and Shariman. You know. You could. You could jump in. You know. Could sort of tear me apart if you say anything wrong. So. You know. Just want to highlight that. You know. We. We do have multilateral exercises. Uh. Conducted so far. Uh. We have conducted. Uh. One with China first. That was in. Uh. Twenty eighteen. And then. You know. Uh, last year we conducted one with the U. S. um there were some you know uh, scatterbug talk uh, you know talking about conducting you know more multilateral exercises with interested parties which i suppose india could in future be one of them but you know again you know having this sort of exercises usually tend to be more symbolic in their value than anything else uh and if asean is using this platform uh then it is safe in a, in a way uh but then again there is an operational uh concern for that I mean, having spoken to some of our regional, uh, you know, naval uh, practitioners who were involved in some way or another in these sort of exercises, I think we could sense that there was a sort of fatigue among them because you know having to come together to conduct, uh, you know, a sort of multilateral exercise uh, involving so many parties could be logistically and administratively tiring, and it takes away, you know, all the uh, time for other more important tasks. So you know, if no exercises are conducted, it could it may not be have to do with just politics, but you know, it also has to do with the operational uh, constraints. Uh, you know that the practitioners tend to face. But you know, again, uh, I would I wouldn't see you know uh, the sort of sh- you know, shift forward, you know, hard hitting kind of you know exercise between India and ASEAN uh, together that will send a clear signal to China. Uh, but we will likely see you know smaller exercises. uh what we call mini lecture exercises we have some that were conducted uh, lately uh, i think there's one between singapore uh, india and thailand uh, what they call sitmax for example uh we could see this of format uh you know becoming the norm uh it is more uh it is usually conducted in less sensitive areas such as you know the andaman sea for example that is close to the south china sea but not in the south china sea for example um and yet you know probably send some form of a big signal uh without being overly provocative so i thought that is probably the way that asian countries may prefer 
uh, instead of going right into this sort of quote like um, you know naval exercise like Malabar for example. So I mean I, I mean this is just my point of view and I will I really welcome to tear me apart <laughs> if, if need be. Thank you. Yeah, could I could I just make some comments too? Yeah. For instance, uh, can you hear me? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. First of all, I mean, uh, of course, one of the regions that uh, the first region actually I wrote the book on was the Middle East, and Iran is a country I'm quite familiar with. In fact, I think uh, many people. I, I'm looking at the coverage of this so-called you know deal of the century between Iran and China, and it's interesting to see how there's so much negative reaction domestically, including from you know populists like Ahmadinejad, who have been raising concerns about whether this undermines Iranian sovereignty. I think people mm -hmm. have to appreciate that no matter how close Iran and China may look like, uh, Iran is obsessive, obsessed about its national sovereignty. In fact, I, uh, I'm, I'm just reading now a biography of the, the last Shah of Iran, and it's, it's a chapter on how he was reaching out even to the Soviet Union at some point to balance out uh, Iranian influence on the Brits and Americans. No? And if you look mm. at the Iranian revolution, it was based on neither West nor West, but only the Islamic Republic. So I, I think we may be, some people are maybe making too much out of these negotiations between Iran and, and China, which is very fraught. And I would doubt that Iran will go all the way and allow the Chinese mm. to put troops over Kish. This will be a very uh, incendiary issue in Iran. And by the way, the Iranians likely are calculating by November there's going to be a different administration elected and Joe Biden administration will try to return the 2015 deal. But going mm. on the South China Sea, actually, I, I disagree with any, you know, with, with some people are arguing that, well, if Joe Biden comes in, then forget about U.S. standing up to China. I think a return mm. to the Obama era of high rhetoric low military commitment. I think that's just not politically tenable. And I think mm. the goalpost has shifted. I think there's already yeah. a bipartisan con consensus in yeah. the United States that China mm. has to be confronted with. And this is, in and, 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 I mean, the kind of uh, rhetoric we're hearing from the U.S. is almost ideological. And I think what the Democrats could bring to the table is even more criticism of China's democratic and human rights record, which I don't think the Trump administration has had enough of credibility to do so. And lastly, on the issue of Quad, I think clearly the Quad is not going to be this kind of allies versus Axis or kind of a Cold War-like, you know, Soviet you know, alliance versus NATO. I don't think that's going to be the case. But I think what's more interesting is Quad Plus arrangements, Quad countries reaching out to South Korea, to Vietnam, uh, to emerging powers in Southeast Asia, and more focus on capacity building among key mm. countries in Southeast Asia in order to have necessary wherewithal to keep China's ambitions at bay. I think that's really the future. And if, if that's the barometer, I don't think Quad is really moving in the wrong direction. I think Quad has a lot of potential and there's mm. so much more that we can juice out of it in order to send the right signal to the Chinese. Avik, can I compliment... Um... Colin's statement, I Different. think, uh, is very important. Different. I think Colin is very right. You know, in a way, I think what Colin is uh, trying to imply as well is um, be careful before you expand exercise programs. You know, mm -hmm. uh, be careful before you expand things like Malabar or the Quad and all that. Simply because, yeah, it, it, and he's right. You know, uh, what is the objective here? If it's symbolic, yes, expand it as, as many countries as you wish. If you are aiming for operational effectiveness, uh, ability to conduct joint operations, you know, you know, um, then that that is 
that is entirely something entirely different. Let me use the example of the five power def defense arrangements, which is an arrangement from 1971 involving Malaysia, Singapore, Australia, New Zealand, and the UK. You know, um, it, I, I, without meaning any uh, disrespect to some of the armed forces involved, you know, exercise programs under the FPDA are not always op optimal because mm. there are very different militaries involved uh, at very different stages of development, very different levels of sophistication. You know, uh, so the ability to conduct, you know, very sophisticated, you know, uh, uh, exercises is hampered by the differences in the level of uh, our equipment. You know, so mm -hmm. yeah, so that 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 is a cautionary tale essentially. You know, if you want to mm -hmm. expand, be careful before expansion. The other thing mm -hmm. is. Um, for all our, for all of my doubts and, and anxieties about the, about the Americans, there is no substitute for the U.S. Mm. I mean, there is none. You know, uh, uh, without wanting to downplay the uh, the capabilities of some of the other regional militaries, it's uh, it, the U.S. is the only country that can stare down stare down the Chinese where it wants to, where where it is able to do it persistently. You know. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing. Um, I, I just wanted to do, just add to what Colin mm. was saying. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, should we call it a close now? I'm all good. Thank you very much. That was that was fantastic discussion. Yeah. It was a pleasure yeah. having you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, yeah, Thank, thank you, you, Richard. Colin, Sharimal. Yeah. It was lovely talking to you all. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, Good to and uh, call in too. Yeah. yeah. Bye bye. Same here. Same here. Bye bye. We should do more of it. God bless. Take care. Have a good evening. Bye bye. Bye. Stay safe.